0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all this morning. But honestly, because the way the lights are hitting me right now, I really don't even see you. But I know there's a few of you out there, so that's good. So you keep, hey, that's better. I can see some faces now. That helps. Uh, man, it's so good to be here this morning and to see you all now. Uh, as Pastor Kevin said, we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom First. So Kingdom First, what we are talking about in this series is how we as Christ followers should be responding to the environment that's going on around us. And wow, I mean, just when you think maybe the tension in our culture, whether it's uh, politics or whether it's uh, whatever, right, just when you think it couldn't get any more tense, it just seems to ratchet up. Another notch. It's just like, wow. At the end of the day, though, I just kind of sit back and go, God, thank you. Thank you that my faith and my trust and my hope is in Jesus Christ and not the systems of this world. It's just like, wow. Now, like, I do my best to, to be a Christian influence and to be a light and to make a difference where I can in my community. I I. Pray that God use me that somehow. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm just like, God, I was reminded again today, my hope and faith and trust is in you and not in the systems of this country. So as we think about that, though, we live here, right? I mean, this is our world. And so how do we respond? What do we do? How do we live our life? Last week, Pastor Chase uh, spoke to us about selflessness, Today I'm going to talk to you from the book of James, chapter 3, about our tongue. Has anyone in here, at some point in their life, struggled with controlling their tongue? All right. Only about a third of the hands went up. Next week's message is on honesty, so get ready. Um, All right, so today in this chapter, we're going to... Find out what James has to tell us about our tongues. How we should be using our tongues for God's glory. And listen, friends, remember, I'm going to tell you the obvious, okay? But like back in James's day, there were no smartphones. There were no keyboards. But this goes for the keyboard. This goes not just for your verbal word. This is, this is your words via technology also. All right, so um, I'm going to start by reading James chapter 1, James uh, James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read through 12. I'm going to ask that you follow along as I read. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Out of the same mouth we come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Wow. So if you take time and read the whole book of James, you'll learn He doesn't hold anything back, right? I mean, he calls it as he sees it. And in these verses, as we're going to get into it, he he lays it out there. And let's start up at the beginning of this section of his letter in James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Let me explain to you why I believe that is. Say that you are teaching your family at home, and through the course of your teaching, you teach something false that's not in line with God's word. That's bad, right? Don't do that. But that only affects your family if that happens. All right, so let's say that you are leading a a student ministry, or maybe you're leading a small group back in the children's ministry, or whatever, or Maybe your own life group. And if you teach something that's, that's wrong, again, that doesn't line up with God's word, that's very bad. Because now your, your, sphere of your sphere of influence is larger, right? It's not just affecting your family. It's affecting all these kids and possibly their families. Then let's say that you have the opportunity to stand up on a stage with a microphone and to speak to a church. Maybe multiple churches, maybe at a conference, maybe you're on the radio, whatever it may be. At that point, if you're teaching false doctrine or something that does not line up with God's word, wow, that's really, really bad. Because now that false teaching is going out to multiple families, multiple communities. James says, teachers will be held to a higher standard. As someone who has spent the past 25 years of my life doing a considerable amount of teaching to children and students and to adults. This is one of those verses that, that can be intimidating. It's like, wow. It's something that like, will keep the teacher humble. Thinking, I am held to a higher standard on what I teach. Uh, but then, in verse 2, James takes a little turn. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So now he kind of goes, okay. But we all struggle with this. We all have problems, not just teachers, but the entire community of Christ. This is, a, this is an area that, that, that can create problems. And so for the next ten verses now, James gets into it and he starts to lay out to us how we should be using our tongue how does god want us to bring glory to him through this tongue that he has given to us when he creates us so let's get in to verse 3 our first point when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. These first two illustrations that he gives us in this this passage are about these two small, these two small objects. The first is a bit that goes in a horse's mouth. I'm not a cowboy. Right. And I don't ride horses. I've ridden a horse like five times in my life. But from what I understand, a bit's not very big, right? It weighs probably several ounces. But a horse can weigh up to 2,500 pounds. And this small bit can steer that horse wherever that, that, that horse rider wants it to go. The same with the rudder. Compared to the size of a ship, a rudder is very small. Yet the pilot is able to control that whole ship through the use of that small rudder. Both of these illustrations talk about how the bit and the rudder control the destination of the horse and the ship. Friends, the first point I want to make this morning is this. The tongue directs the course of life. The tongue directs the course of your life. I think that if you, well, let me put it this way. I think the best predictor of how a person's life is going to be lived on this earth and the, and the uh, general experiences he or she is going to have is through the language they use. For instance, let's take a 20-year-old man. If the words that come out of his mouth continually cause division, if they're hate-filled, if they cause disunity, pain, and suffering to other people, I think it's a safe assumption to say this person's life is going to be filled with controversy, problems, unnecessary trials and difficulties that he would not have to experience otherwise. The tongue reveals, or the tongue directs the course of a person's life. Take another person. Let's take a different 20-year-old man. And if he is able to control his tongue, his speech, to me, that shows me his entire life Is one of discipline. Because the hardest thing for a human being to control, in my opinion, is their speech. It is the mount, it is the Mount Everest of self-discipline. The human tongue. So, So how goes the tongue? So goes the life. I think James is telling us that here. Our tongue will direct the course of our life. Let's go on to point number two. Follow along in the second half of verse five. It says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So the first two illustrations that James gives us are examples of power under control. The, second illustrate, or the, or the third illustration James gives us is power out of control. A forest fire. He describes a giant forest fire. So, friends, we can go out to California right now. And there are huge forest fires burning up millions of acres since, since the beginning of 2020. I think I read that California has lost over 3.2 million acres of forest. That's a, that's a lot of acres. And these forest fires were started with a small spark a small flame, and it grew and it grew and it grew until the damage is like unbelievable, damage everywhere. Some buildings have burned down. Some lives have been lost. I was talking with my father-in-law just last Sunday who lives in Central California. Before he could go to church, he had to get out soap and water in a bucket and a hose and clean the ash off of his truck and off of his windshield so that he could drive to church. It's not just the fires there where the fires are, the damage goes well beyond. And how do these fires spread? How do they spread? It's the wind. The wind pushes the fire wherever the wind decides to blow. If the wind starts pushing this way, the fire goes that way. The wind goes this way, the fire goes that way. Friends, James is telling us our tongues can have the same effect on our social and our spiritual community and in the lives around us as a forest fire. And tell me how that fire usually starts and usually spreads. It's by the winds of our flesh and our emotion and our feelings. When one day I have this feeling of hatred and and of anger, and this wind of my emotion comes over me and just blows me that direction. And if I don't check my words, and if I don't control my words and say whatever my feelings feel like saying, and say something irresponsible, pff, it's the start of a fire. And then the next day, I have this feeling of maybe pride. And I make some very unwise choices with my words, pff, another fire. And then maybe the next day, it's a, it's a wind of jealousy that blows through me and blows out this feeling of jealousy. And if I'm not careful with my words and I say something again that's, that's irreverent or ungodly or unkind, pff, another fire. And before long, I step back. I step back and look around and look what I see. I see a forest fire of destruction around me caused by my words because I didn't control my tongue. And eventually, I will hurt the people I love and the community I live in. A forest fire. Power out of control. The second point this morning is our tongue Is small but powerful. It can be very dangerous. And the devil is saying, Dan, let it go. Just say it, Dan. A forest fire hurting the people I love, the people around me, my community, my church forest fire all started because of my words let's keep reading in that same in that same verse it says at the the very end and is itself the tongue set on fire by hell set on fire by hell this word hell is translated into english from the greek word gehenna Gehenna is a location just outside the walls of Jerusalem. That was a dump. It was a, it was a garbage dump. And so the people that lived in Jerusalem during Jesus' days, they would take their garbage out to, to this place called Gehenna. It was a valley. And the fire would burn. It burned 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year. The fire just kept burning and burning and burning as the people of Jerusalem would dump their garbage and their refuse into this dump. And they started this dump because centuries before, some of the the Israelites decided to follow and to worship a false god named Moloch. As part of their worship in this location, where Gehenna is, they would offer their children, their babies, as burnt sacrifices, as fiery sacrifices to the God of Molech. Centuries later, the Jews were so disturbed and hated that so much, they didn't want anything good going on in that ground where those sacrifices took place. They turned it into a dump. During Jesus' day, when he would teach his disciples and the other people about hell, he was the he was the only person that would use that reference of Gehenna to describe hell because of the fire, the stench, the constant flame that was burning there. And so Jesus compared it to hell. This is the only verse in the entire Bible that talks about Gehenna, that Jesus, not, Jesus is not using the word. James uses it here. Why? I believe because James is trying to trying to describe as powerfully and descriptively as he could the source of evil on people's tongues. It is from the depths of hell. Satan wants to use our tongues to destroy each other, destroy his church, destroy our community, and to destroy the world we live in. And if you go back up there in that verse, it says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. Your tongue, my tongue, our tongues are a fire. You have fire in your mouth. And the devil is saying, oh, come on, let it go. Start a forest fire of travesty and heartache and pain. Destroy that church. Destroy your neighbor. Destroy your coworker. Come on. It's a fire. You have fire in your mouth. Your tongue is a fire. How will you use it? The tongue is incredibly powerful. Wow, it's so small in comparison to our body. But wow, it's so powerful. Point number one this morning, the tongue directs the course of life. Point number two this morning, the tongue is small but powerful. How will you use your tongue? Let's keep reading in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The third point I want to make this morning is this. The tongue reveals the heart. The tongue reveals the heart. So the heart obviously is is a symbol of a person's character, their emotions, their passions, their feelings. The tongue reveals the heart. Let me ask you a simple question. This is a question you will all get correct. It's very easy. It's the same question that James asked us in this verse. This is not a rhetorical question. I want you to actually answer me. All right? Can a fig tree produce olives? No. No. This class gets an A right up here. (laughs) Can an olive tree produce figs? What is a tree if it produces figs? It's a fig tree. It's simple science. It's not hard, is it? It's a very simple illustration. It really is. But the point that James is making is very powerful. Practically speaking, this is what James is saying, that you and I can't come into Great Oaks Community Church and sing these beautiful worship songs. And pray to our Heavenly Father and tell Him we love Him and worship Him and adore Him and praise Him and walk out these doors and with the same tongue that gives Him praise and glory and honor Sunday mornings, walk out these doors and tear someone else down and tear them apart and curse them and insult them because they are also God's creation just like we are. James is saying that cannot happen, that is impossible. Because a Christ follower cannot and will not do that. What is your tongue telling you? Do you remember back back in junior high or back in high school, you walked into science class one day, and there's this liquid on your science table, and your science teacher walks up, and she goes around the classroom, and she passes out these, these strips of paper. They're about that wide, they're about that long, some of them are red, some of them are blue. And if you, take that, if you take that blue piece of paper and if you dip it in that liquid and it turns red, then that's a sign to you saying that some of the composition of that liquid is acidic. But if you take the red piece of paper and you dip it in there and it turns blue, then you know that it's not, and that it's some kind of base liquid. I'm not a scientist. I may have got some of my facts a little skewed, but you understand the general, <laughs> general gist of what I'm saying. It's called the litmus test, right? That piece of paper reveals the content of that liquid. James is saying this is our litmus test. Our words tell us what's in our heart, our character, and if the Holy Spirit has taken up presence in our life or not. Our words are our litmus test. What are your words telling you? Do you come in here Sunday mornings and worship the Lord and go out there and with that same tongue, condemn, criticize, ridicule, and tear apart someone else, God's creation, whom he loves just as much as he loves you? James says, that's a problem, a real problem. Three points this morning, friends. The first point, the tongue directs the course of life. Second point, the tongue is small but very powerful. The third point is the tongue reveals the heart. Tonight, when you go to bed and you lay your your head down on that pillow and you you're so tired and you're ready to go, just ready to go to sleep, I want you to do something. Take a survey of your day-to-day and all the words you used and think about them and ask yourselves these questions. One, what direction is my life headed in? Two, did I use my tongue for God's glory or for the devil's work today? And three, what did I learn about my heart today through the words that I used? And tomorrow morning when you get up, it's the start of a new day. And you have a decision you get to make. Nobody else makes this decision for you. It is only your decision. Only you can make this choice. No one else can make it for you. You've got to decide, how am I going to use my tongue today? And you have a great opportunity at the start of a new day. You can use your tongue to come alongside of someone who's discouraged and to lift them up and to give them some encouragement, some strength to make it through their day. You can use your words to fill up someone's sail, to inspire them, to help them keep going. You can be a soothing balm, speaking healing and hope and life into someone else through the power of God and the Spirit of God working through you. You can encourage, equip, love someone else with your words. Or... You can choose to be an atomic bomb of destruction, leaving nothing but pain, anger, division in your wake. And you make that choice every day, every day. No one else makes it for you. That is your choice. What will you do? Who will you be? God has given us this incredible, incredible instrument. It's so small, but wow so much power. And in a world right now that desperately needs the light and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to be spoken to them, we have a chance. We have an opportunity. And it's so easy. Jump on the keyboard. (laughs) Enter. Destruction of fire everywhere. (laughs) Or you can choose to be an instrument of love and grace and hope and life and encouragement. What will you be? What will you choose? Pray with me, please. Father God, we love you so much. And to think that you have entrusted to us the power of the human tongue to speak to say words God I pray fill us up cause us father to be an instrument of your love and your mercy and your grace flowing through us to the people around us through the words that we speak Father God, if someone here today has been convicted by your word and your spirit of the language they're using, God, may this be the day that they turn and start using their words for the glory of God. God, I pray that I, myself, and everyone here at Great Oaks Community Church will be an instrument of your grace and mercy speaking life and hope and encouragement and the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. Father we know we're in a world that needs it. It it always has. Sometimes it's more obvious and right now it's obvious. God may we be your instruments. Use our tongues and our words to bring you glory and honor and praise. And it's the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.